0: No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Our next edition of the world famous Cheeky Jaguar radio broadcast kicks off right now. And uh, we have got a uh, great program coming up here. We're going to be talking with uh, Dan Perkins, IQ I, Rizzoli, and of course uh, our great guest who we're going to be talking to in the first segment. And uh, welcome to it. It is the world-famous Cheeky Chick Wire radio broadcast. Coast-to-coast, border-to-border on TuneIn, iTunes, and Radio Loyalty. And uh, we are going to connect with our guest as soon as we are able to uh, get something going here. Because right now I'm talking to the ether, my friends. There we are. Not talking to the ether anymore. Ha <laughs> We are gonna go to our phone guests. They are gonna join us here on the uh, here on Skype here in just a few seconds. We've gotta get a hold of Joe. Not exactly sure who Joe is. But we are gonna call Joe. Hey Joe, where you go with a gun in your hand? Hello! Joe, how are you? It's James Lowe calling you for your radio interview. How are you, sir? Good! How are you doing? Pretty good, actually. I'm going to get our uh, co-host here, uh, Dan Perkins, and IQL Rizzoli in here, and we will uh, chat with you here for uh, a good 15-20 minutes, and and we'll get you on down the road, uh, my friend. Thanks for uh, being with us today. I really appreciate you making time for us today, and... uh, Thanks for being on the big broadcast.
1: Sure, you know, real quick, I asked you a couple of times now what your demographics were, and I never got an answer from you guys.
0: Okay, well, uh, let me... Hate to do this on the air but uh, I guess we will uh, do this on the air because uh, you brought it up my friend so I guess we'll clear this up before we get our co-hosts on the broadcast Uh, the audience for the world famous Cheeky Jaguar radio broadcast we reach listeners worldwide on AM FM radio stations and online loyal listeners include middle class families business owners, parents, teachers and students unique format of personality news, weather, money, music interviews, pop culture, we connect with informed, professional, independent, and open-minded folks. And our market profile, the median age is 35 to 64 years old. The annual household income is 61700 Our online business ownership is 59% and our weekly listening, 387 minutes as of October 2018. We're going to get IQR Rizzoli and Dan Perkins in here so we can get this interview done with, uh, with our guest because I know that his time is very uh, short and very precious here uh, to him. Um, I believe we've got Dan, and I believe we've got IQ. Both of you guys, can you hear me?
1: Yes, we're
0: here. Okay. Well, um, well, Joe, start us out here. Give us a little bit on your, on your background. Introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your book, my friend. Well, thank you. And by the way, that was a good answer when I asked Democratic. Yes 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 yes, 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 yes. Yes. Go, my friend. We're 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 yeah. burning daylight here. you. Basically, I'm a self-empowerment lecturer,
1: and I, I have been a teacher. I taught at the university and in various schools. I had a private practice helping people reprogram their subconscious for success. And basically, my book is called What I Will, I Can, and that's pretty much positive-oriented, giving a lot of different precepts on how to live a better quality life.
0: Now, uh, now, Dan, uh, it's it's kind of a departure from uh, from our usual uh, guest flair here. Uh, I know you've got some questions for our uh, for our guest here.
2: I do. I, I I um. It's really kind of bizarre, Jim, because I heard today uh, a survey of millennials. And what were the twenty most important things in their lives? What were they? Oh, things like my cell phone battery was going down. <laughs> or my, my Wi-Fi signal had dropped. Um, so, what was amazing, and, and so I'm fascinated with with our guests because what was amazing is that the top out of the top twenty things not once did climate change make the list not once really it didn't make the top 20. so what what was clear about the the responses of the millennials was um how me centered all the great things that were concerned about in their lives and I'm fascinated with the concept of your of our guest's book, and I would say it would appear that the millennials are not very happy people, and I'm curious as to what how your book might help them be more joyous people.
1: Well, basically, basically, what's going on here? With a a lot of the millennials, it seems like it's an instant gratification deal, and it's it's very superficial. What my book addresses is that we have so much potential inside of us, and as uh, Zig Ziglar, a great motivator, once said, it's sad that so many people go to their graves with their songs unsung. I think uh, this book helps to show people that they have all this potentiality inside, And if they just work a little bit on applying it, they could basically obtain virtually anything they want as far as success in their life, but it's not going to be handed to them. They've obviously got to work at it a little bit, and a lot of it stems from reprogramming your thoughts, reprogramming your subconscious. Basically, it amounts to as you think, so you create. You create what you think about.
2: But we, we have this scandal going right now where, where the elite parents were bribing coaches and ag- academic admissions officers to get their children into uh, special schools, high-quality schools, even though they probably may not be qualified. Um, there are people that say that, you know, I, I have to, I don't plead guilty other than the fact that I'm a member of, but that my generation, the the the, the the boomer generation is responsible for all of this because as we were raising our children, we never uh, explained to them the value of hard work, failure, and success. And so what we did when they were growing up, we didn't give them winners trophies. We gave them participation trophies. We never allowed them to fail because our greatest growth comes from our failures, not from our successes, that it's my
1: generation. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head, exactly. Those are our greatest learning experiences when we don't quite hit the mark or when we quote-unquote fail. You're right on. That's why the book, if they go to whatiwillican.com, it explains a lot about that. Okay, that's on the website, what I will, I can, dot com. And there's a lot of interesting information there to kind of basically help each individual that wants to better their, the quality of their
0: life.
2: Do you believe, sir, that that the, if we screwed up the millennials, are they doing a better job of raising their children now that they're in the mid-30s, or are they doing even a more, a more terrible job than we did?
1: Well, (laughs) you know, I'm going to go out on a limb here and stuff, but uh, unfortunately, I heard the phrase, dumbing down of America, and it seems kind of sad now, because we're getting a lot of, like I said, instant gratification, where uh, a lot of people, younger generation now, are so reliant on technology, that if technology were to fail or something, a lot of them would be totally lost, that's why, again my book you know if they go to the website what i will i i think there'll be some interesting information there to help them uh, not only survive but have a much better quality life
2: is your book would it be classified as a self help book yes exactly and what and what are some of the points that you make that are important that 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 this generation needs to under to reprogram what are what are the things well, that they're missing
1: Well, I think we have to understand that each one of us is totally unique. So often, society, especially the advertising media and everything, tries to get us to compare. And I think that's where a lot of our frustration comes from. We're always trying to keep up with the Joneses or be like the neighbors or be like him or her, when in fact we'll never compare because we are totally unique and different. And that's not a handicap. That's a very good asset. And I think once we buy into that and see that we're unique, we have a lot of beautiful talents and gifts to share with the world. Things that no one else could do that we could do.
2: There are some people that think that what's going on in our country today and perhaps other countries of the world is the the denudering of the male of the species that males no longer are of value, they contribute no value to the, to the raising of children or forming life, and so that we are moving towards a, uh, rapidly moving towards a female-dominated society, yet many of the sociological studies that I've read indicate that the best children are the children, best meaning well-developed, stable, fundamental children, are where there are both fathers and mothers. But yet our society, our society, even as you mentioned advertising, if you look at the advertising on television, the family unit is mom and two kids, period. No dad. Exactly. And so how do you change the, change the attitude that is clearly moving to the feminization of the United States?
1: Well, I don't know. I don't necessarily say it's the feminization. I think it's more of coming to middle ground, where we're becoming more holistic, uh, about 50-50 balance, which I think is really good. I think uh, we're finding that pe- that men especially tend to be a little more uh, sensitive now, and everything. I think that's a good thing, and women tend to be a little more aggressive now, and I think we're coming to a middle ground now, which is wonderful because I think we're becoming more balanced, more holistic human beings, okay? Instead of having to follow stereotypes, we're pretty much uh, following inner guidance, which is basically what it should be anyway. We should be listening to ourselves and following our intuition, which is always uh, for our greatest good, for our our higher self pretty much kind of
2: guides us. But when we're listening to ourselves and you talk about your intuition... When when we have politicians who are going to be running for president of the, the nomination, the Democratic Party, for president of the United States, and they're trying to convince the millennials that free college, Medicare for all, and all the things that they want to do, which, quote, supposedly is going to give everybody a, a better quality of life, or we want to eliminate all fossil fuels and go pure green, the 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 people get in, enamored and mesmerized by the the interesting concepts that are being postulated, but oh, sure. where is the, where is the practicality of that? Exactly, and you know, again, that's quote unquote politics for
1: you. Politics uses quick phrases that uh, kind of really appeal to people but have no real substance. A lot of times they'll say things that sound so idealistic and wonderful, everybody goes for it, but they don't explain how we would ever get there or what it would do on the, in the long run. I think, uh, again, it's politics, which a lot of it is superficial and uh, pretty much uh, meaningless in reality.
2: But but the, but, the, but the millennials seem to be gravitating to that universal income everybody gets a thousand dollars a month regardless of their income or or regardless of their willingness to work what is that message to to people to say we're going to pay you not to work
1: well obviously I think again as I say unfortunately with a lot of Millennials they want a quick fix or instant gratification so a lot of politicians are just catering to that, trying to give them the, the things they want to hear and stuff. But uh, obviously, it's unrealistic, and it's not really—it uh, wouldn't really work as far as feasibility. And I think in the long run, if millennials really do their investigation, they'd see a lot of this stuff as just false
2: talk. But what 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 gives you what gives you pause to think that the millennials who we've just talked about? Are so self-centered are going to spend the time to do the research to find out whether what people are saying makes sense or are they going to be mesmerized by the the romance of the message and expect it to happen
1: well (laughs) there you go you know being a baby boomer uh, that's one of the scary things Uh, people can be swayed very easily you know, so uh, unfortunately, people are going to have to do their homework when it comes to voting and things, and uh, I think it's incumbent on the millennials to dig a little deeper and try to find the facts.
2: Uh, I would agree with that. I I, I would want to go, wanna go one, one little step deeper. Um, you, are you concerned, having been a, a college professor, are you concerned about colleges and universities that are shunning diversity and free thought?
1: Oh, certainly. I think, you know, the idea is to create free thinkers and stuff, not not shunning diversity, but to accept diversity. Um, yeah, unfortunately, uh, now we're getting a lot of young millennials and stuff coming close to uh, teaching in these colleges and stuff. So in some cases, unfortunately, it seems like the blind leading the blind. But uh, again, for each individual, you know, we're not victims. We, uh, you know, as Nelson Mandela said in his inaugural, it's not that um, we realize we're powerless. It's the thing that really scares us is that we realize we're more powerful than we could ever imagine. I think it's incumbent on each individual to do their homework and to uh, make decisions based on what they feel intuitively is right, um, basically uh, assisted by, you know, their cognition, by their thinking.
2: Do you think that America has lost its will to take risk? No, I don't, I don't think so. Not at all. How do you, how do you believe that? But what, what what do you see that tells you that that's not true?
1: Well, years ago, I used to have a professor that said, "Why not go out on a limb? That's where the fruit is. I think if people realize that uh, if you don't you know like they say, if you you can't win the lottery unless you buy a ticket, I think uh, if people really give it some thought, they'll see that uh, you need to take risks in order to make gains.
2: but if we if we have built a generation on participation trophies, why all all of a sudden are they going to start taking risk? They've not been educated in understanding taking risk.
1: Well, I think uh, in the long run, basically, it's trial and error, and we learn by experience. I think the more people experience things, that's the greatest teacher, you know. And, again, if they try something and it doesn't work, that's a great learning experience. I think eventually, um, as they go through life, they're going to get wiser and wiser based on their experiences, and they'll see what works and what doesn't work.
2: Somebody once said in your 20s and 30s you're a Democrat. When you make your money in your 40s and 50s, you become a Republican.
1: <laughs> there, there you go. Well, you know, if it was up to me, I'd like to see everybody as an independent, to be a, a total free thinker, and, uh, you know, there's good and bad in all parties. And everything. I don't uh, think anyone should really have allegiance totally carte blanche to one particular party because there's good people in all parties and stuff. And I think it's up to us to uh, basically check each individual and uh, work with them according to their merit.
2: What do you see that has you upbeat about the American experience? Well,
1: I think there's. uh, There's always hope and faith, and I think uh, Americans tend to be adventurers, and we we tend to be very kind also. I think, uh, you know, when it comes to giving uh, relief and things for disasters and stuff, we tend to be one of the most generous countries on the earth, which is really cool. Americans innately tend to be very caring and generous people. And I would like to see us moving forward to that, where each person, according to their own uh, abilities and things, could help each other. That's when the world works best, when we all use our particular talents and services to help each other.
2: When, When we were growing this country, when we were building this country, we went through a great period after the American Civil War and into the 1920s of very significant from migration millions of people came into the united states and from about 1929 to 1962 we had what was called the the period of assimilation with the mm-hmm. belief that we needed to bring those people bring them into our culture and assimilate into what 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 america was and what it means to be an American. And so we restricted immigration. Today we have uh, a million plus people coming into the country legally, on legalized immigration, and probably an untold number of people that come in illegally. And they come in Mm -hmm. and they do not, I, I don't see the great assimilation That we have seen in the past. I see what's happening all over the country is that as we have increased the number of people coming into the country, both legal and illegal, we are creating tribes, not a unified nation.
1: Oh I I totally agree. I don't think you know it's it's not a 100% assimilation that it should be. I mean like we say, you know, they used to say America was the melting pot. I don't right. think it was the melting pot. I think it was more like a mixed salad. I think we need to join forces and uh develop certain things as a group in mass as Americans, but yet I think it's important to keep some of our, you know, our cultural heritage also. There's got to be a good blend. We, uh, as a matter of fact, we don't even have a declaration as to a, a national language. There are 78 country, countries in the world that have declared English, as an English-speaking nation. We do not. We have no national language. And a lot of people have been arguing about that also. English is not, or American, is not our national language. We have no declaration making it so. And it's kind of like anything goes. I know I go into stores and a lot of times they're advertising the latest specials or something in uh, Spanish and then in English and in different languages. Yeah, I, uh, I agree. I think we need to kind of um, overhaul some of the things with, in Congress as far as, uh,
2: well, maybe even parts of the Constitution. Who knows? Are you, so you're in favor of English being officially being the language of America?
1: Oh, most definitely, and I don't think that's any uh, any big task that we're you know imposing on people or something. I know my father was an immigrant from Italy, my wife was an immigrant from Switzerland. I have friends immigrating from Ireland and so on, and they all came in and uh, in a matter of time, they learned they learned the language, they became citizens, and uh, yeah, and they were an asset to uh, to the country.
2: How long ago did your wife immigrate into the country from Switzerland? Oh, that was been about forty years ago. Oh, I'm curious as to what she what she thinks about the level of she went through the process to legally come into the country. I wonder what she thinks about the illegals coming into the country.
1: Well, unfortunately, my wife my wife passed away twenty years ago, but mm. uh, yeah, at the time, though, she was all for everybody coming in the legal way most countries have, you know, obviously legal immigration, and, uh, I mean, let's face it, that's what laws are for. So I think uh, it's, it's important that people come in legally.
2: Our education system is becoming more and more divergent in that in many schools around the country, English is taught as a second language, not a primary language. Does that ultimately hurt us as a nation?
1: I think it does. I think it does. It's certainly um, apropos to, you know, maintain your heritage and everything. But again, when you talk about assimilation and everything, we need some commonalities, some unifying factors, and I think language is one of them. I think it's important that we all basically speak the one common language.
2: Michael Savage says that a nation is devi- is is determined by its borders, its language, and its culture.
1: hmm That's
2: very good. Yeah, I agree. And right now, the borders are not helping in terms of, of uh, stabilizing our, our nation. Uh, and that we're not, if we're teaching English as a second language, we're not promoting it. And even you said we don't even have English as, a, as the primary language of the country. So I, I see a, a, a great deal of divide in this country. And 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 a lot of segmentation that is not. I mean, I heard about today. I read this morning. You might have heard about this, Jim. There's a this new candidate, yep. this new liberal candidate who's running for the Democratic nomination. One of his key platforms is circumcision. Wow! Wow! <laughs> wow That is, is a heck of a deal. Yeah. So well, uh, he thinks that uh, Well, he thinks, he thinks we should eliminate circumcision, and and if, wow. if elected president, he would do it. If the Congress wouldn't do it, he would be doing it by an executive order. And and I guess there's a part of me that thinks maybe we have more important issues than circumcision. <laughs> that the well, I, I I think you're absolutely
1: right. You know, uh, in as much as my degrees are in. Um, Effective communication and sociology I don't profess to be a political science person or anything like I say with my book my book is about individual self-empowerment and how each individual could live a better life by basically enhancing their talents and uh, things that they have within them and uh, I basically according you know with my book show people how to tap into that and bring forth a lot of their potentiality. Again, the name of the book is What I Will, I Can, and they could go to the website, whatiwillican.com, and well, I think uh, they'll find some interesting information.
0: Well, uh, I appreciate you making time for us today. I know that you've got to go, my friend, but uh, thanks for being with us today. Thank you. I appreciate the discussion. Take care. Definitely. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you. Now, uh, as we continue on here, we've got uh, Dan Perkins and IQ Al Rosoli joining us. And uh, IQ, give give us give us your thoughts and feelings on. Step
2: into the world of power loyalty